Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 1948, 2009, 2018. And now on the sacred Lansdowne Road soil, 2023. Ireland are Grand Slam champions for the fourth time in their history. The imperious Johnny Sexton got the perfect hometown send-off as he broke a long-standing Rondogara record, while Andy Farrell's much-adored superstars get the piece of silverware that they deserve. We can park the World Cup chat for now. We've loads of time for that. But first, let's celebrate an historic championship. Welcome to the Cade on S Rugby podcast as we take a look back on the 2023 Six Nations with a distinctly Happy, jubilant Irish eye to look over it. With me to look, take a look back on the tournament are three fine guests, two of which I'm sure will perfectly articulate the hyper energy that's seeping across the country this Sunday afternoon. Firstly, from Leinster, the man who may have lost his voice, Nia Viva, but we hope he found us since. Welcome on, David Gordian. Thank you. Our Ulster representative is a frequent guest on the Red Hand podcast and president of the Stuart McCluskey Appreciation Society. He might be living in England, but he's firmly an Irish fan. Welcome on, Jack Fogarty. Thank you very much, Paul. And finally, for a balanced outlook, we decided to bring on a Welshman. He's an aspiring and talented journalist and would be sure to remind us Irish fans of how well we have it. So welcome on board, Yeston Thomas. Yeah, thank you for having me. Does this mean I have to be on the Connet side of things? Or... <laughs> no, I, I'm in favour of that. Fine. I'll just scream Bundyaki's name like five times and I think that'll do. But I prefer Stuart McCloskey over Bundyaki. That's, that's my one ah, You're a good man, Yeston. I've always liked you. <laughs> just playing Let's the clip that now. Let's clip that. That's going to that's go on that TikTok. <laughs> we better get started into this because we're already running fashionably late and of course Ireland Grand Slam champions and for you at home you can make a drinking game for how often we utter that phrase this evening we will not spare it <laughs> David you were the man on the ground how was the Aviva yesterday to live up to expectations uh it was incredible it was it was really I mean the Aviva can can sometimes be a stadium that gets a, a bad rap in terms of um ambience in terms of mood but 
yesterday was impeccable. Um, the closest I've seen to that was um, beating the All Blacks in 2021, and the, and even that, yeah, I didn't think anything anything topped that day, but uh, but yesterday it did. It was amazing, right from the anthems all the way through to the to the finale. It was it was just incredible, and I think it was a testament to it's a it's a long running conversation about the Aviva and and people getting up and down from seats. Um, the one time I did have to go up um, uh, to use the bathroom, the 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 corridors outside the the corridors outside of the seats were empty. Um, there was very little movement. People were, I think, the vast majority of that crowd spent eighty minutes sitting in their seats. It it told in some ways, didn't it? Because it was it was raucous at times. I think the second half when the tension. When that pressure Valdez, you could just you could just feel it, you know, it it, it took off. And listen, I'm I may not look 22 years of age, but I am, and I was in the pub watching it and listening, everyone started seeing the fields of Athens right as well. And it was the same in pubs and homes, the length and breadth of the country. And I think that's we'll talk about it. Like it's it's a much loved team and it's it show it shows on on nights or afternoons like yesterday. And Jack, you're usually a man of optimism when, when you frequent the, the red hand. Um, so where does yesterday's triumph rank in the great Irish rugby victories, weekends and everything in between? Yeah, well, I mean, um, I'll just mention, of course, you know, we're Grand Slam champions. Anyone, anyone at home drink? Um, but yeah, even even um, even watching it on just just at home here with with the family, I was just... I could I could tell the the atmosphere was just glass there because the anthems were just incredible. Ron Avine and, and and Ireland's call and and just well again you know good bit of respect shown for for the English anthem as well. But it just seemed like there everybody who was there was just there for the rugby. Like it was no there was no messing around. So that really kind of teed things up and um, looks like it may have even rattled a few of the Irish players because they started a little bit nervy they kind of sensed the occasion I think and uh it really kind of it, it I suppose it added to it really as a as a as a as a as a neutral probably watching it you probably thought oh geez this could be this could be a really really tight game which it didn't end up being but for about 50 or 60 minutes we were you know we were a bit we were a bit nervous we weren't we weren't totally sure so uh, you know it's it's just class that they got they managed to get a home you know, home Grand Slam, um, celebrating with everyone and, you know, afterwards with all, all the kids running on, you know, Bundy's kids being thrown up in the in the air and just all the just all the crack afterwards, just absolutely glass. So I mean it's 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 right up there. And obviously it's got more ties to the uh you know the 1948 um win because there was a there was a chap. I don't know if anyone saw it. There's a there's a chap from County Down, um, Hollywood. Yeah, he was he was at the game in 1948, and he was at the Aviva yesterday as well. So, just the class bit of um, just sort of history there, and all of his family were there and things like that. So it's 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 a great bit of it's a great kind of sort of occasion. Uh, it does it does Johnny Sexton's uh, reputation no harm whatsoever, going out, you know on the on the big one um and just yeah it was it was glass nervy um but class it was and although we are waxing lyrical about johnny sexton today and all week during the week and deservedly so a certain 
Mr. Voice of Rugby over in the UK has not done the same. So, Yeston, do you want to take us through how's it, how's the wind going down um, across the pond? Because, listen, this, the stats don't lie. This is one of the most dominant Six Nations victories since England in 2003. And we know what they ended up doing. Um, yeah, so um, so Ireland have got still got one more to catch up with Alan Wynne Jones, I believe, in Six Nations titles. <laughs> but the way they're going, they'll probably catch up quite soon. Um, but I think I saw stats. One somewhere. day, one day, and all the Welsh, all the Welsh are doing that. <laughs> Try my best to fit in, but um, but uh, nice I saw things. stats. Saw stats somewhere that the more that all the Irish wins were like more than ten points. I think the lowest the lowest win was thirteen. Yeah, uh, thirteen point margin. So it wasn't like there was any luck at all in any of those games. All right, you could say with having a flanker throwing in a lineup that that's a it's an element of good fortune, but but they deserved it, and and I think I think the reaction over here is just that their island were, were worthy winners. You know, they they dismantled Wales in twenty minutes in Cardiff. They they beat the second best side in the competition at home, quite and they looked quite comfortable. Even though there was a couple of moments here and there, we thought, oh, France have woken up a little bit. They avoided a really good Italy side, and that was a good game. I, that was probably one of the one of the one of the thought one of the games. He thought, "Ooh, there could be a shock here," but Ireland got through that. Obviously, the Scotland game was another different type of type of battle. The Scots came out in the first half with, with the backs with the backs flying around, and but but Ireland again stopped that, and and they just squeezed them out, and and they done the same thing again. Obviously. There's a bit more debate about the England game with a certain incident, but um, but yeah, Ireland are worthy winners uh, from for I can see over here. And there's well, there's two talking points for this get one. The, the Grand Slam is a talking point in and of itself, but it's probably two players in particular. It's Dan Sheehan, who is arguably one of the best hookers in the world right now, and then there's the Freddie Stewart incident. And if listen, I know this is a championship review and it's. Personally, I don't think that red card influenced the game because I genuinely think that Ireland had enough anyway. England showed nothing in attack. They had no clean breaks at all. No, no line breaks at all. They might clean breaks. So, but it, we'll still discuss it because it's, there's been so much talk about it, whether it was, was it red, was it yellow? It was no penalty. It was Keenan's fault, some people said. Anyways, um, so we'll go around what um, I, I suppose what what did he make of it, uh, David? You can go first. Yeah, so um, I thought it was red. I thought it was a fair red. It was it was tough on Freddie Stewart um, when you're caught in those situations um, with very little reaction time. It, it it can be tough, but at the same time, by the letter of the law, it's it's a red card and, and and like you said i don't i don't think it influences the game as much as people think um if anything particularly if when it's just going down to 14 men sometimes a red card can be a galvanizing force for the team that gets it so um you 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 sometimes see the team that was carded be the next one to score it almost they almost raise their level in response to it um i was actually talking to um <laughs> you'll know you know Kaylin, my uh, my mother is the president of the hugo keenan fan club so yeah not not uh, not to be uh, biased about it but one point we we discussed um today was that you know you think freddie stewart 
the red card today, um, yesterday, you know, 40 minutes down to 14 men. If you think of Charlie Ewells on James Ryan, um, England were down to, to 14 for about 75 minutes. Um, it's hard on the team that was red carded for obvious reasons. But another way to look at it is that Hugo Keenan never came back on the field. James Ryan didn't come back on the field. And those are two difference makers for Ireland. So even though the red card is a harsh punishment, the team that that the team, um, the other team often suffers as well, particularly when it's head contact, because you lose someone like Hugo Keenan, you lose someone like James Ryan, that has an effect, you know. Um, Jimmy O'Brien came on and did a great job, but you know, Hugo Keenan, if not for that, would have played every minute of this championship and he he's an integral part of the team. So um, as harsh as, as the red might sometimes seem, there's a balance there, you know. Yeah, that's fair. And I suppose we'll, we'll just go around because I think I think we all think it's red, but just for the sake of discussion, Jack, do you want to go? Yeah, so I, I again, you know, you, you, they, they go through their, they go through their, framework don't they and I was I was kind of um shushing my sort of family because I was like I want to listen to what the ref is saying um, don't be nerd things I know I know they're like oh god okay there he goes again um but he was like ah oh, there's not really I think there is some mitigation there's probably an element of mitigation if they probably played it at full speed from a wide angle they probably would have seen that Hugo you know the ball goes forward and, and, and Hugo tries to I don't know if he they, they were talking on ITV about this sort of kick feint that he was going to do that maybe put Stewart off I think Freddie Stewart's just got to make a decision he just needs to either flatten Keenan legally or pull out and just sort of hands up you know hands in the air I'm not doing anything sir look at me I'm not doing anything but instead he turns he's not trying to injure him not you know whatever Clive Woodward says about intent it doesn't make it one minute difference if your elbow goes directly into someone's face, you are running the risk of a red card. Doesn't matter what mitigation there is. And in fact, I don't think they even really take into mitigation if it's a direct shoulder, elbow, leading limb, knee, foot, whatever it is. If it makes direct contact to a person's head, like you're you're asking for you're asking for trouble. Um, so you know, if you go back to the Antonio yellow red was it was it not was it the only thing helping him there is the fact that he he's you know he's going in to make a legal ish tackle but it gets it he gets it quite high and gets it wrong so I mean, I mean yes I can see I can see mitigation and we probably would have been happy enough if if he if he gave yellow but can't really argue against red either so like we said guys have gone off and they've you know they've got concussion now they might be out for a couple of weeks but. You know that's the that's the line that I think the refs have to toe. It's just be like, do not hit people with with shoulders or elbows or anything like that. If you do, you will be sent off. You'll you'll quick. I mean, I know we say it a lot, but we'll, we'll soon see we'll soon see the you know the the technique changing. I hope. You hope as well, and that's the thing because I listen. I, I we've all talked about it probably on Twitter, you know, and to friends and to family and whatever. And I said, first replay, red card. That was just my own opinion. But if anyone knows me, that's always my first opinion is red card, unless there's a clear angle. It's just, it's not reactionary. It's just safety. Do you know, like I'm, it's the World Cup, the last World Cup in 2019 was the first big clampdown. And I think there was like, what was it? Like six or seven red cards in, in the pool stages alone. And that was 
quite a bit at that time. That's four years ago now. Like it's a, it's a long time ago to be making the same excuse of, oh, it's a quick decision and, oh, he doesn't intend. Go read the law book, lads. That's intent is not a thing in the referee's degree of danger is and a shoulder to the face or an elbow to the face or listen, Keenan throwing his face into his elbow, what some people may have suggested. It is a red card. And I does Stuart get it wrong? Yeah. Does he go in and try and, as you said, maybe try and go for the tackle and then doesn't do it? That's probably what it is, really. But that's that's the fine margins. Like that is that is what it is. Um, yes, yes. And have you a different opinion, or are you sticking with your with your Irish people so you can get back on again to make jokes about Alan and Jones? Um, no, it 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 just it just is a red card, really, isn't it? You know, anytime you you see someone hit someone else on the head, and and you you just you just think, oh, well, that person's in trouble, and and in real speed, it was it didn't look very good. Obviously, they showed it down and they showed the replays, and obviously, slow mo's make it a little bit worse. Um, but but yeah, it was just just you know, there's a shoulder to the head and um, just a clear red card. And I think I think most people have, uh, I think most people are already all in agreement really that it is a red. Well, that's 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 really all there is to say. And I suppose moving on from from this game, it's been. Listen, it's it, it was a it was a good game in its own way, but it's it's not. I think how do I put this now? I, I think it's testament to this Irish team that under Joe Schmidt, they almost had four or five perfect games to win. Whereas under this Andy Farrell team, it's like, well, we played well for a half against Wales, and we played well for sixty minutes against France, and maybe a half against Italy, and you know, fifty minutes against Scotland, and thirty minutes against England. And got the job done, and that's like you talk about that that big buzzword, adversity. Like it was, there was a lot of that. It was an imperfect slam, but yet, like as I look over here to my right, the the under twenties on course to to win a grand slam, and hopefully they get it done. And I don't speak too soon, and they'd finish on twenty seven points, one short of the most you can. Ireland finished on twenty seven points this year, one short of the most you can. They were James Ryan offload away from the perfect Grand Slam. And I suppose, listen, you, you can take game by game if you want, um, David and, and Jack, but what was your thoughts on the overall, the overall tournament for Ireland? And listen, obviously the French game would go down as one of the classics, but again, Ireland weren't perfect. They've, they've a long way to go, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Um, if I could just be, before I go into that, just touch on something uh, Jack said actually about the the Keenan try or the Keenan um, the the contact with Freddie Stewart. Um, I do think it's a point that it's it's probably going to be tough for some players to take because you always want to make a positive impact. But I think the message that always has to go out there is if you can't tackle legally, you can't tackle. Um, and if that means that you let the guy go by, then that's what you got to do. Um, unfortunately, and I know that's going to be frustrating for for players. Um, but but yeah, uh, for the game safety, that's got to be the way it goes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It it was I don't know imperfect slam. Is there such such a thing as an imperfect slam? You know, you win it, you win it. I think that's all that exists, to be honest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, There's always you know Wales win it. We say it's because they have a red card machine. You know, we win it. It's it's yeah. by inches. You know, there's always there's always an asterisk. But um, jam slam. 
Exactly. I think I think I think a slam's a slam, and and you and you take it. And even looking back, I I watched a, there's a good video with a nice uh, script uh, uh, song playing in the background of Ireland slam in 2018, and you forget how close a lot of that was. I mean, obviously, the, the standard example is the France game at the start. You know, Johnny with that incredible uh, drop kick from about 40 meters out it was just unbelievable. But even the the Wales game, you know, it finishes tw- uh, 37-27. And that looks like a, a comfortable lead, but that last try was scored by Stockdale in the last play of the game. He picked off an intercept. You know, Wales are on attack. If Wales get through there, then there's no slam, and it's a whole different story. So, yeah, yeah, slams are are, are won and lost in in very small margins. I think, as you said, there the the big thing that stood to Ireland in this tournament was they weren't perfect. For a lot of it, they weren't, and and they would say it themselves, and they'd almost hold it up as a a badge of honor. They weren't perfect a lot of the time but they got the job done. And as nervy as Esther was and as 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 thrilling as it was in the Aviva, and it was because I, I think there was some expectation, particularly on pundits or on um, on betting odds sides, that this was going to be a whitewash. You know, England had a tough day at the office last week against France, and there was some expectation that they might have that again. But they, they, they put it up to us a lot tougher than we thought they would, but I never doubted for a second that they pulled it off. Um, because yeah. Ireland's the two things that stand to Ireland are number one, when they're given the opportunity, they take it. If it if it's fifteen minutes, if it's thirty minutes, if it's forty minutes, they'll use that time and they'll score tries. And the other thing that stands to them is their defence. Um, it's very difficult to get past this Irish team. Um, I think I saw a stat that Ireland have conceded less tries in the last two Six Nations than any other team conceded in this one. Um. Yeah, and that's the ten, story there. Ten, he, he, exactly, yeah, ten over the ten. last two years to twelve. Ten tries, ten tries, ten tries in ten test matches is unbelievable. Um, the attack is exciting and it's amazing. And you know, if we have one of those nice little tap and go moves, fantastic. But I think the thing that really sets this Irish side apart is that it is very difficult to get a try across against them. Jack, do you want to go? There's not much left to add, but apart from more sweeping praise, and we're all fired, especially today. No, yeah, I, I'll just I'll just mention again, you know, Grand Slam champions, so uh, everyone at home drink. Um, but yeah, I mean, you kind of you do need those element elements of 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 luck, I think, um, when it comes to winning the Grand Slam. The one in eight, the one in eighteen is probably more impressive because you you got wins away to good French and uh, English sides, you know, having having France at home and England at home does does obviously help. But um yeah, the manner of which is 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 more impressive because like they say they 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 embraced it. The Andy Farrell style appears to be much more like don't really I don't really care what happens during the game. We'll just find a way to 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 manage it. You know, pick your pick your favorite um, Ian Malcolm quote from Jurassic Park, and you know they'll just find a way uh, to to get the job done. So that that is kind of what this Irish team does, and it it kind of it kind of kind of sums things up when when David saying there about how like you kind of you kind of expected Ireland to just to just get it done to, uh, yesterday, which um, didn't didn't seem like they were ever going to lose it really, just because you thought they're so they're just so good they just managed to. Um, get the job done, and um, and they did. Like, and it's yeah, it's very it's very cool to say that you know they just did it in their own in their own way, in a new way, in a really 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 cool way to do it at home again. So yeah. No, I and just 
sorry go on, just, you can go first. yeah just to like go object like just very shortly because i don't want to i don't want to be dominating the conversation but um i was at the aviva in 2021 when we played the all blacks and i remember when we went in at half time i think we were 5 10 down and that was against the all blacks and i don't think anybody in that stadium was afraid there was just this sense that these guys are going to get it done. Yeah, they might, you know, they'll they'll take the time to get there, but they'll get it done in the end. And they did, and they nice. they seem to always do. I love that. Yeah, that's it. And listen, like you look back on 2018, you look back on 2009, you look back on this year. It's it's never truly perfect. There's like there's really no such thing as a as a perfect um as a perfect kind of grand slam. Is there like? No matter who you look at, like it's it's it never is the case. But this team did finish again on twenty seven points out of twenty eight. That is one offload, and I don't want to labour the back because I think he's fair the tournament, James Ryan. But if, if that offload to James Lowe sticks, Ireland do what no one has ever done before. They've done what no Irish team has ever done before, and the fact that they've gone back to back. Um, England and Wales bonus point wins home and away like last year was the first time we did it in Twickenham so by I, I, I believe I believe um, so like by by extent of that like it's it's breaking down barriers it's breaking down walls and we could talk World Cup we're not going to talk World Cup in, in this podcast there's plenty of time to do that but this is a team who embraced that challenge and on the bit you said you weren't worried the smart thing for me to do would have been text you guys saying that I'm not worried. So at least then I'd have proof. But instead, I sent the text to my girlfriend. But I did say, I'm not nervous. And this was just after the knock on in midfield, I think. And it really felt like, like this is when I told you, I was giving it all of this and all for nothing at the end of the day. But I, I texted and I was like, I'm not nervous. I, I think we have this. Five minutes later, Rob Henshaw scores. And you can hear the roars from, from Lansdowne Road to Limerick. Do you know what I mean? And that's, it's testament to the side that we're not, we're, we're never nervous with this team. And I suppose to kind of, I hate to say it, but to dilute the conversation a small bit, we do have Yeston on and we are going to talk about Wales. And as great as it's been for Ireland, we don't have the same hype in Wales at the moment. It's been a horrible eight weeks, fifth place, you know, a pretty poor tournament. Um, There could have been strikes, there could have been, everything else um how is the mood on the ground in wales at the moment yeston and is it i, I know you're not going to go against warren gatland i understand that but is it too late for wales to save to save their calendar year Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question um it hasn't been a good eight weeks um far from it it all started off when um when ireland just romped into cardiff and just blew everyone away and um and after after the back of the Edinburgh the Edinburgh game where Wales are just torn apart by the Scotland backs, you were thinking, oh, this could be a long Six Nations, which got even longer by the potential threat of player strikes, which felt like a long one and a half weeks, just trying to find out if there was a game going on, if there wasn't a game going on. Um, I still don't think that dispute has gone to bed either. I still think. There's still quite a bit of uncertainty going around, um, but that's that's off the field management, which is a, a completely different story, and and that could take about five hours of explaining, and any solutions would would be lovely. Um, 
But in terms of Gatland, um, he said after yesterday's game that there, it, it, there, there's, there's going to be some time that the team is going to be together, and and they're going to be able to 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 get a good performance in for the World Cup. Um, luckily, I, I touch wood. Wales have got Portugal first, so it's, it's not it's it's quite the it's, it's not as bad as having one of the other sides in there, but um, it's going to be really tough to see how they can turn it around. Obviously, we got a World Cup coming up, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that a bit further. But um, in terms of Six Nations, it's been really tricky. But um, Gatland's got quite a big job to do to, to turn it around. We interrupt the interview briefly for a word for our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by M6 Motors. Located in Bandeslaw in County Goa, M6 Motors brings a combination of value and innovation to their renowned car sourcing. With unbeatable quality, prices and service, backed up with a name you can trust. You can call them on 090-96-45801 or follow them on social media at M6 Motors on Facebook or Instagram or call in store today. Now back to the podcast. He does. And listen, again, if a Welsh person came on here and went against Gatland, you'd be, there's something seriously wrong because he has the proven track record. But again, you compare it to Ireland and they're a long way off. And even like we might as well just take a look over the, the four teams now. And like you look at France, Jack, if you want to take them like they're the last two games, I know they were leaky yesterday. And I think a small part of them do just get the bonus point win because if it comes down to points difference, it shouldn't be an issue. It could have been, but it, it shouldn't be. Um, they look like they're just like listen, they're they're finding something and it's it's not perfect. They're doing that. They're finding a way. It's very like Ireland in that way, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Um, I think when you talk about it, um, in the way in the way that we were kind of referring to earlier about like an imperfect slam, um, for the French, it was it was their turn last last year. You know, they got the slam. They had us at home, England at home, and they just they just seemed like they just built really really nicely into that tournament, and it just and it just worked for them. They just never, apart from the, apart from the English game. Um, in Twickenham where everything just went went for them you know Galfiku kicks that ball and it just lands in um, Penno's lap um, little things like that but then throughout the tournament they've had a little bit of the bit of, a bit of the opposite of what Ireland had where you've had those like good 30 minute spells where things are just clicking and it's nice going, going for you France had that in, in bits and bobs but then there'd be a big turnover or a big penalty win and, figure, you know, and and things get turned over. So France just never, never quite clicked in all of the games. They, they, they clicked for one game and, you know, for bits and bobs of the Scotland game where they just, you know, raced into 19, 19 in lead. you know, they were, they were, they had, they had, they had Wales exactly where they wanted them the other day. And again, sort of some good determined Welsh sort of play and, you know, some, some, some nice, um, you know some nice some nice moves from from the backs but at the same time you know you're at home you know you think you're winning and you're you know you're 20 points ahead or whatever you you let your foot off the gas and you let you know you let Wales back in and if it, if it weren't for that they could have they could have put us under a little bit more pressure in terms of the points difference and things like that so the French would be I think the French would probably be actually quite happy enough they'll probably think you know what we've got room to 
they've got room to improve. We're not we're not going in as sort of red hot favourites, although they are still probably going in as favourites because they can just cut up anyone whenever they want to, and they've got absolute superstars in their in their team. So look, everyone everyone knows how how dangerous France are, and if they get their defence back to sort of what it was last year, they'll be they'll be very 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 hard to beat in in Paris. So. They'll be they'll be sort of quietly working away at a, at a few things, and I think they'll be they'll be sort of not hugely disappointed with with coming second if they if they end up getting a World Cup win. So um, they'll they'll be they should they should be happy enough. I'm sure they'll 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 want to win it, but obviously um, they should be they should be fairly happy with where they are. They've just got a few things to iron out, and I think they'll be they'll be incredibly dangerous come come the autumn. Yeah, that's fair, and I think probably the the best example of <clears throat> excuse me you described it there with the um the right year to get a to get a grand slam or the right year to do things was will greenwood before the tournament said that he reckons Ireland would do the grand slam for that reason because sometimes even if you don't think it yourself you are kind of thinking in the back of your head okay if we win one of the away to france or away to england game it's good and then we push for a championship and france probably had that last year when they said this is our year for the slam Ireland would have done that yet this year. Johnny Sexton said himself eight weeks ago, Grand Slam. Do you know, Grand Slam, Grand Slam. Yeah. And it's it's hit the nail on the head there. And I think realistically, despite all the hype, despite the meme pages, it was always a two-horse race. I think that's fair to say. Scotland came third in that two-horse race. It's a, if you're a football man, you can compare it to like something Tottenham Hotspur would do. Yes, then do you want to talk about, about Scotland and the the charade that they almost are now at this stage. They're they're the new France in some ways, aren't they? Um, oh, that's a, oh um in a way, yes. And in a way, no as well. I don't think they drop off so inconsistency in inconsistently that they just do they just do some mental things like like volleying a rugby ball, for example, or the, something ridiculous the Lena Boxies would do. But but they they the times the the backs could get the ball and they could run it from about 80 or 60 metres and they score a try and you think oh wow this Scotland side looks good and we saw that in the first two games obviously the Van der Merwe break with his with only one shoelace tied up properly was exceptional and then what he did to Wales was just 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 out of Finn Russell's uh, spell book and and they, they just managed to just beat out the Wales outside backs and, and they just put them to the sword so you know you're two from two. You you're playing quite well, and then obviously a daunting trip to Paris. Obviously, the side would be licking their wounds from the island game. So I wasn't expecting that to go plain sailing for them. But I thought they in patches they played well, um, and then they kind of just threw it all away then against Ireland when they had a really good opportunity. Um, you know they were in it after after that half time, and they just couldn't see it out and. Um, I think being a little bit more, a little bit more of an edge up front to to really, really compete. They they can keep their backs as much as they want. They got Darcy Graham coming back soon, which is going to be fun because I really rate Darcy Graham. <laughs> but um, I think they just need a little bit more edge up front. They need to copy a little bit what Ireland do, a little bit what France do, and they just need to get that pack going, going strong, and they, they'll be there. But but the backs are, are certainly up there. But they just need just need a bit more edge up front. I th- I think that's fair, really, because listen, if 
if people want to hear what I have to say on Scotland, they can read one of my articles and I went to town on them and it didn't go down too well in the <laughs> Scottish rugby community. <laughs> and I went on the Harper on Rugby podcast and I did the same thing. And it's I don't hate Scotland. I think Finn Russell, for instance, is a wonderful player, but still give me Johnny Sexton any day of the week because it's test rugby. And mm. that's kind of like... I, I, we're doing this in order and I, I'm, I'll take England and I think this is where the comparisons to England are yeah you can play Marcus Smith but I think yesterday showed why Owen Farrell is still their best 10 because Marcus Smith doesn't keep them in that game like he's he's a okay. wonderful talent don't get me wrong he's a wonderful talented rugby player but like if you ask me who's who do I want to 10 I want Ross Byrne at 10 over Marcus Smith in a game like yesterday do you know and to be honest I was on a, a Zoom call there before um, a, a preview night thing during COVID and I said, what about England? And we said, we don't know about England. This was our last year's tournament. And it was the same again this year. It's like, we don't know. Like, this Steve Borthwick has come in and listen, again, this may not go down well. I don't think the Premiership is a good league. I don't think it breeds test international players. I look at the likes of Van Portfleet, brilliant for Leicester, probably the weakest of the scrum halves alongside Varney. Um, you look at Marcus Smith, wonderful player for Quinns, but it's a very different game. Like the premiership for me is a bit of a, it's like a sevens competition played by 15 players. Like it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but there is no jeopardy. There is no high end quality. There is a lot of very good players in the league. And I think England, listen, Steve Borthwick is, in some ways, their Andy Farrell appointment. He's kind of the continuity appointment in the fact that he was in and around the camp before. He was with High Fly and Leicester, and he's a good head coach. But I think as long as the Premiership struggles, they're going to need to do something like what Wales did for years, where we, we can shake that to one side. Do you know what I mean? You can just park it and just say, right, Team England is different. Because until they reach that point, I think they are going to be looking and thinking, I don't know, like, are we, what, what style are we trying to play? What are we going to do? Like, yesterday was their best performance. No doubt they're defensively were solid, but still, I look at that, that 23 and, like, I take Hugo Keane over Freddie Stewart. I take Johnny Sexton over Warren Farrell. To be quite honest, I think the only person in that English team who makes the Irish team on form is Jack Willis. And, that's listen that's not arrogant Ireland here just purely on form and I think that's an issue for England because you want to play the French game showed it if you want to play an abrasive physical front up game plan you need to give 125% effort Wales under Sean Edwards did that brilliantly they were they were the fittest team they were the hardest working team for a long long time and England don't have that and I think I'm, I think England will actually get to a World Cup semi-final because of the draw and that again that's another different day's conversation but I really don't think they're a great team at the moment and again we all felt easy midway through that second half for Ireland we all felt like yeah they're going to get the job done this is England this, like, this is, they have more playing numbers than Ireland and Wales and Scotland but yes I know Wales are Wales at the moment but yet it still felt like you know yeah, we can beat them, you know, and it's it's not a great, not great shakes for them, to be honest. Um, and listen, that's that's just that's just my spree now. And it, we'll we'll go back to 
the final team, Italy, and David, you've been waxing lyrical about Italy for, I don't know, maybe 20 years probably, knowing you, but um, <laughs> do you want to take this one and round it off with the Italy or are okay? It's uh yeah, it's not Italy, it's every, you know me, I love a I love an underdog. Um yeah, Italy, you know, like all things considered, I think the only the only game that really didn't go Italy's way this tournament was the Welsh game. Um I don't know that we were expecting them to win more than that. They they are definitely still and I know they're gonna they are annoyed by it. And I, I've seen Michaela Lamoro be interviewed uh, enough times that I know he's kind of sick of the um, they played well, but they lost at edge. Um, but I, I think that's where they're living at the moment. Um, you know, Italy played against their best games against the best teams in the tournament. I think Italy's two best games were against Ireland and against France. I think it's easy to forget that, like, uh, the French game was the, the first game of the tournament. But, you know, there was one Tommaso Allen, Allen uh, penalty in, I think it was about the 65th or minute, um, if Italy slotted that, they would have won that game. You know, it was 29-27. They very, they were very close to winning it 30-29. Um, so I and then obviously they pushed us a lot harder than we'd put been pushed in the first two games, even by France. You know, I think Italy played better against us than, than France played against us. Um and it's 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 just really disappointing that having shown all that, having you know, it's very clear you have people like Michele or you have people like Ange Capuzzo, you have people like Paolo Garbisi. They have the quality. You know, gone are the days when Sir, uh, Sergio Parisi was the only good player in that team. They have talent throughout their team. And unfortunately, they decided to play their worst game against the one team they were on sound to beat. Um, and and to be fair to Wales, Wales showed up that day. You know, there was an aspect of Wales and it's, it's been a very tough year for the Welsh my commiserations to my Welsh my Welsh colleague but it, Wales did show up that day like no we're not we're not going to go down that easy we're not going to to fulfill that um that expectation we're going to we're going to show up and Wales did show up that day so credit to Wales for that one but I, I'd, I'd say there's a, a degree of frustration in Italy there because and you could see it in Lamro when he was interviewed afterwards that was a game they were targeting and of all the games in the tournament it was the one that they they came up shortest in and that's that's fair. And I think, listen, just as we record this, Ireland are under 20 Grand Slam champions, but earlier on the day, Italy just gave Scotland a thumping. And I believe, did they beat Wales as well yesterday? You might... Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was a close, it was a close game, but Italy, I think it was something like 20, 25, something, something yeah. like that. It was, it was quite, quite a high-scoring game, but um, yeah, Italy did win. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like they've they've beat Scotland, they beat Wales, they ran Ireland close for sixty minutes, they ran England or France. I think it was France close, and he, and actually both of them. Like they're coming. They're like give them time. Hopefully, they through Franco Smith, they they build good structures and they push on. Now, unfortunately, not a lot of people are here to listen to four fans talk about structures of Italian rugby. I just so, on that game. Yeah, a day well, will come when we regret how much we hyped up Italian rugby. A day will come when yes, they just will. we're like, ah, I miss the days when we could beat them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, will. they're they're gonna, you know, it's a it's a big enough country, and uh, if anyone's ever watched an Italian person watch a soccer game, it's a country that loves sport. So uh, when they come going to rugby, they're gonna be something else. 
Yeah, that's the exact reason why I don't want South Africa in the Six Nations because it'll <laughs> it'll make us revisit everything. But yeah, we'll we'll move on we'll move on from that and the hypotheticals and move on to another hypothetical. I said we do a team in the tournament, and the way we decided to do it was we go off my team, which is not a very smart idea because I am incredibly biased. But we'll go from from here, and you can interject at, at any point. So I'll just list it out. At number one, I went for Danilo Fischetti, obviously. At number two, Dan Sheehan, player of the match yesterday. And number three, I cheated here. Massively cheated. I moved Andrew Porter back to tight head just because Porter was probably the best loose head. There was no standout tight heads. And Fischetti was my um, prop on fantasy team who did very well for me. So I'm going to hold my hands up there. Like, do you, Are you happy with that or do you want to change it? I'd say the only the only probably the only person you could you could put in for you know, the tight head is is Finley Balum because he played the three games that he played really bloody well and he just was solid as a rock. So there's there's really no other standout tight head that I can think of apart from maybe uh, Ferrari the Italian, the other Italian prop because yeah, ironically named it. Italian prop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I wonder if there's a fate. No. Um, but uh yeah, no, he um yeah, there's no there's no real massive standout. I think um I, I noticed that uh Stephen Jones put Tyke Furlong in his uh team of the team of the tournament, I think, which was uh which is quite funny. Um he's just trying uh, to win us back over. That's all oh, he loves it, doesn't he? No, he he, he <laughs> hit on Sexton um today. So no, you can't do both. <laughs> but and funnily enough, I didn't even consider Furlong, not because of the two games, but because I actually thought he was poor yesterday. And yeah, it wasn't his best though. If I was going for anyone, I go for Beelum. But again, can you put a lad in with three games? You yep. probably can't. I thought, I, thought, I thought Furlong was probably work, Furlong was workman, like you know, and I, I think if anything, I think Tigs fall is fell victim to the same thing that Conor Murray used to fall victim to, where you have a player who is on their best. Standards. Yeah, they're they're the best in their position. Um, and the day when they just show up without showing off, you yeah. think, uh, what's going on here? Like you know, but it, it you know it was a fine performance. I thought Beelum, geez, like you know, for all those videos of of Ty Furlong like throwing mad passes and sidestepping Finn Russell, Finley Beelum was like, all right, well, let me let me show you what I can do. You know that 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 pass, that a whole move, and obviously it was a team move. But that that pass to to set uh, Keenan off to score against France, I mean, you know, it's just unreal. So, yeah, I, if Bielum had not gotten injured, I think you, you'd have to have had him at three. But uh, you know, injuries are a part of the game. It's cruel, but it's it's the nature of the thing. That is, he Finley Bielum basically went into this championship. He said, "Let me fix my cornrows, and I'm going to take tight for one spot." <laughs> and oh, yes. Boy, did he! At second row now, I went for. My player of the tournament, and that's a spoiler for the next question. I went for James Ryan and Thibaut Flamont. And if you object to that, I will be shocked. Uh, Don't say Adam Beard. We discussed this. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm just looking through the options here, and I'm and I'm thinking that you've, you're again. You know, Flamont has a has a cracker of a game, and and James Ryan has been, I think, consistently very, very, very good. The only one I think, I think Federico Ruzza has been excellent for for Italy, um, yeah. but again, you know, he's he's in a he's in a he's in a pack going going backwards a little bit, and I thought both of the Gray brothers played particularly well for most of the tournament again, um, and they're probably they're probably close 
honourable mentions, perhaps for for those fellas. Um, don't know about anyone else, but yeah. do you want to jump in? Is there anyone else you put in there? Um, oh, I I would probably I'm would have stuck with Ritza, but that's me being a a big advocate for Italian rugby as well. So um, yeah, um, obviously Flamont has been out of this world, but um. Obviously, the French have had obviously had Willem Saint for a bit this week, so you couldn't really pick a second one with them. Obviously, leaves leaves with James Ryan, who's been um very very good. Would have picked Ryan Bird, uh, Bird, is it the other second, the other Leinster second row? Yep. Um, I I think he's been a real um real um up and coming star from his Six Nations. I think he's someone that um this this shown the international stage what he is. But um, obviously, I think I think it'll have to be James Ryan, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, but um, but yeah, the, the Welsh locks went, went really up for it. I think they were missing Ro- Will Rowans a little bit, in fairness. Um, Ollie Chesham could be one, but but obviously England went outstanding. Um, and and like you said, the Grey Brothers were, were quite good for Scotland. But yeah, I think Flamont and Ryan is the uh, the correct picks. I'm going to keep poking the bear and I'm going to say the fact that we're having this discussion without Maro Atoje said something because like he's 27, 28 years of age now. Like this, it's it's mad to think they need a quiet tournament. That's just the way yeah. it is. Um, The back row, I again cheated at back row. I want to put Peter O'Mahony in there, not because of his garden, but because I think he, <laughs> he was brilliant the last two games. Like I'm, I'll always hold my hand up and say Peter O'Mahony is a god in you know down these parts. But I went with Josh Vanderfleer at seven. Could have went with him at Hooker. Could have went with Keith Healy at Hooker. Why didn't? I went with Josh Vanderfleer at seven, his supposed first position. I went with Jack Willis at six because I think he was England's standout back row. Some people said Ludlum, but I just didn't see it. I just thought it was Willis all day. And at number eight, I think David knows who I'm gonna say. I think Jack knows who I'm gonna say. It's Caelan Doris. So Again, have you any objections? I think the Willis one is the obvious ones. Um, and I, I'll go through the, the obvious short list or long list of candidates after this. Um, I'd Sorry, probably... I'm on mute. Go on. Sorry. No, you're amazing. No. Right. My fault for muting myself. Go ahead. I'll, um, I'll probably have um, Francois Crow at six. I think that's my only, um, my only one that I'd argue with because I thought he was absolutely superb against England. And um, I think he's one of those underrated types of players. Even though him and Greg Aldrich were the same scrum cap, um, I thought Crow was superb against them, superb against England. I thought, I thought that was probably enough for him. But um, and then obviously you've got Greg. Like I said, Aldrich is just just a, a fine rugby player in in just whatever games he plays in. And um, and yeah, those probably those the only two that I'd probably. Wager a spot in. If I had to pick one, it'd probably be Crow. Um, at six. Yep. Lads, Antonins. I uh, anecdotally, I have a a good friend of mine. Spontaneously yesterday was asking me, "Is there is there a guy who plays for Ireland? His his initials are uh, VDF." I was like, "Yeah, no, Josh Underfleer." She's like, "Oh yeah, I used to work with his dad. He's really nice." <laughs> and um, if there was anything less surprising, it was that Josh Van der dad is nice because um, it's not off the ground he licks it. Um, you know, as well as being a, an incredible player, he seems like a very, very decent human being. Um, and a good golfer as well. 
and a, an annoying league football for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, down to single figure hang, handicaps after only three years. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but it's not uh, fair. no. Um, There's ever a measure of a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I think my only argument, and um, it might be the one thing I, I disagree with Andy Farrell on, is that one of the second rows, I think, is actually one of the best back rows. I think, I don't think Ryan Baird's. Brian Barry should be playing second row. I think he's a six. And I, I think if he was played at six, he could be one of the best. Um, and does not say he can't do a job at lock, he can, but I, I think I think if if you put him at six, he'd be up there. And that's a hard, that's a hard position to shift, you know, while Peter Romani's there, because for all the for all the um flack he gets, Peter Romani's a big game player. He never doesn't show up for Ireland. Um, no matter what's happening at provincial level, but I I think Ryan Baird could be could be one of the best sixes out there. Yeah, that's that's fair. And he did like he did do well in his chance. And I, I Jack can love this, but I I actually reckon we should have left him on the bench the last day and brought him on with about thirty minutes to go. Started Treadwell, and just have him bursting out of the gate because even mm. like he does do go through spurts where he's unbelievable. I think he's like, I think it's just the naivety of youth. Like he's only twenty three, which is which is mad. It's, to an, think it's annoyingly it's young. And really yeah, young, yeah. Young, ridiculous. Anyway, but listen, we'll we'll have our existential midlife crisis in another podcast. I, I don't know what we'll call it, but we'll call it something else. But as well, so Francois Crow got a mention. Anthony Jelanch would get a mention if he played more than two games. I think Negri is another one, and Canone was brilliant against Ireland. Um, I think I think Wells back grew into the tournament quite nicely. Olivon was pretty good. Yeah, he, he yeah. grew into it, didn't he? Yeah. Darted yeah, slow and was brilliant. Um, God, it was good to see him back. Like after He had like an amazing tournament a few years ago and then yeah. the injury like took it from him and, yeah. and took the captaincy from him. Like it's it's easy to forget that he used to be France's captain, but no, yeah, he's an incredible player on his day. I, I, I would throw in, I think a couple of the Welsh lads had good performances and then like just kind of didn't back them up. But I think that's just a sign of a team that, that doesn't get going. Um, nine and ten is probably the most hands-on at nine, and probably the most egregious pick at ten. If we based it off of Instagram and memes and whatever, so going with Dupont at nine, Mister Yellow, um, Yellow dressing gown, and at number ten, Mister Jonathan Sexton. So, what do you think? I would go Finn Russell just because. He's got the, he's got the. If you go individually, sort of uh, individually <laughs> based, Finn Russell yeah. individually had a had a better tournament. Johnny Sexton just makes everyone else look good. Uh, I have strong opinions, so I'll, I'll let you finish talking before. But uh, but yeah, Here no, we go. just me me personally. If I if I if I was picking it, if I'd be brutally honest with you, I probably would just have as in a, in a sort of a team of a tournament, which is a little obviously sort of complete fantasy. Um, that Finn Russell was just he's got that he's got that you know, fun X factor and makes things happen and he's gonna just throw he's probably gonna throw a lot of interceptions as well, but just for the just for the crack that it, that he that he that he brings, <laughs> it's probably just stick him in there because Johnny Sexton will just get the job done and it'll be a bit boring. So we don't want that. We want to have a bit of a, a bit of drama. So I I I'd, I'd whack Finn in there. But uh I quite like to win actually and Finn <laughs> I love Finn perfectly good. He's won the same amount as Danny Barnes, for instance. One league title, one Magnus League. Yeah. Not a lot. But anyways, Danny Barnes, he was Munster's he was actually Munster's starting 13 
<laughs> won the last league title. We talked about this before the podcast. So there you uh, go. Okay. David, you're going to tell me how great Johnny Sexton is. and how, I'm not just, yeah. And I'm how not he's ahead of Finn Russell. And the intellectual heavyweights of a group chat that we're in, I, I won't name names, they will 100% agree with you on this. So go on. They always do. Um, it's not just about how good Johnny Sexton is. I mean, he is. He's brilliant. Um, you know, if you talk about someone who enables the rest of the team to be good, um, it's an old story about I think it was George Washington of all people that he wasn't particularly good at anything, but he was good. He was very good at at at, at recognizing greatness in other people and getting the best out of them. And that's what a good leader does. A good leader delegates. A good leader is an enabler, makes other people look good. And Johnny Sexton does that. Um, Finn Russell is a very very good player, but I I think for me Finn Russell falls into the same category as Marcus Smith. They're very good when you have a whole season. The thing about chess rugby is that if you're Irish anyway, there are 11 games in the year. That's not that much. Um, you know, we talk a lot about somebody deserves a cap, somebody deserves a start, et cetera, et cetera. There are only 11 games in a year and five of them are in a, you know, a very tight competition. Um, I don't, I just don't think there's, there's room in that kind of tight schedule for someone who throws intercepts enough that it's a talking point. Um, Finn Russell is a very, very, very good player. And I love the way he plays rugby. Um, I'd actually, in terms of enjoyment, I'd put him in the same category as James Lowe. And anyone who knows me knows that that's very high praise. I literally have a James Lowe blanket. Um, he's someone who enjoys the game. And he, and he, the people who watch him play enjoy watching him play. Like he's that level of character. But when it comes to test rugby, sometimes you want a boring guy who wins games and, that's Johnny Sexton. It's not. It's not Finn Russell, and and that's what I say. I think Johnny's boring. I don't think. I think Johnny's class. But uh, you know, if I had to pick one of them, I'm picking Johnny every day of the week. It's it's like my point on Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell earlier. It depends on what you want, really. And for me, it's always going to be Johnny. It as much I love Finn Russell. I think he's a really good player. Was always going to be Sexton for me. At twelve and thirteen, I think twelve is nailed on. I went with Sione to Pilotu. Who I think really added something to Scotland's attack more than say like oh Russell does great. It's like he does great because he's got a lad who can sit down defenders as well. And then at 13, probably more controversially, I went with Gary Ringrose. Um, so if you want to who would you throw in there? Um, I'm trying to think. You go with Slade kind of did okay, maybe. Um nah. I, I'm drawing a blank. Rex, I actually thought was very good. And well, Joe again, Hawkins again, at twelve you're, would be you're, you're up there. At, you're, looking at, you're looking at Hugh Jones and, and Gail Ficku really as the as the thirteens. There's no real standout twelves. I mean, I I could I could just mention Stuart McCluskey as as the fan club, but you know he played he played very well for the three games that he that he did play. But you know, in terms of someone who went to went across the hall, or at least you know maybe barring one game, Gary Ringrose is right up there, both sort of attackingly and defensively. Um, Hugh, Hugh Jones probably just has that little bit of spark with the ball, but again, are you, are you looking for a more solid sort of all-around 13, which Guy Ringer is, is certainly that mould at the minute. Um, but um, but yeah, I would I would have Tui Pelotu and, and, and Ringrose as my uh, as my centres, if it were me. Yeah, that's fair. And actually, just while running, because I think they did okay. Um, what did you, what was your thoughts on the Joe Hawkins Mason Grady experiment uh, yesterday? Yeah, it was. I thought it was good. Obviously, they're gonna have defensive mishaps. Um, that didn't really help with Owen Williams at ten, who's got so, so few caps as well. 
I think against England and against Italy, the two tries were set up. They fixed Owen Watkin, so it looked like the set. Not Owen Watkin. That's uh, that's. Williams, they fixed Owen Williams, and um, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about Owen Watkin. Maybe because I, I do really rate him as a player, but that's another story. <laughs> Osprey's <laughs> bias. They fixed they fixed Owen Williams, uh, and it, it made it just made it look like that the centres were at, at fault, but. It just it was just a it was just an offensive issue that Wales had for the tournament, and even with even with North and Tompkins there and Super Saturday they 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 were exposed a couple of times, um but but on the whole I thought Grady and Hawkins did well, um you know I've seen Joe Hawkins come from eighteens twenties and into the senior setup and he, it still amazes me on how much of a boot he's got um I think one day he'll shift to ten. But um, for his size, I think at the moment he'd still be playing at twelve. But in terms of the team of the tournament, um, I'd probably cheat a little bit and move Fico to twelve because I think he's just a t- genuinely class player. And I'd have probably would have Hugh Jones at thirteen because I think he's, I think he's improved quite a lot over the last couple of years or so. I thought he was just, just a really tidy centre, but I think he's probably leveled up a little bit more, and I think he's showing that he's really really good. But um, the Welsh centres went fine. Um, obviously, they're going to make mistakes because they're they're so young. But um, but you know they they were they were solid enough, and hopefully they'll be the centre pairing for for the autumn for the World Cup. Yeah, I, I, I actually forward. agree. Go on, Jack. I I was just gonna. I'm sorry. I just I was just gonna agree with with you there. Yes, and I think they I think they're your kind of they should be your your kind of centres going forward. You know, and you've got you've got good experience with like North who can play across the background uh, back line I think he's your kind of backup and on the bench kind of kind of guy who can cover a lot of positions and I think yeah Mason Grady's got a hell of a highlight reel for um for um Cardiff and Hawkins just looks like a very very clever sort of rugby brain uh anyone who knows me knows I like a guy who you can kind of read a game really well and he just seems like he he got the better of McCluskey so I mean that that's saying something and I'll and I'll hold my hands up and I'll say he he, he nearly got him there but uh Stu obviously just just did enough but yeah there there are a couple of good uh good centers you've got there so well we're gonna need to start wrapping things up soon so we want the back three and again slight cheating because my number 11 played all 500 minutes, 400 minutes. Sorry, Matt has let me down. 400 minutes of the championship at number 14. But I've gone with Mystic Mac Hansen, who is, I'm, I'm going to say it right here. I would love to interview that man while he's still not media trained. <laughs> he is a delight. Yes, delight. you may not be seeing the clips, but he's absolutely wonderful. Um, at 14, I went with the most elusive and most unsounding Frenchman you will ever see, and that's Damien Pennell. And at 15, I'll let David take that one. Who do you think I would at 15, David? It's got to be Hugo Keenan. It is Hugo Keenan. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> Ron van der Merwe is the obvious one. Is there anyone else you want to throw into the mix? Um, I, I, I thought, don't be negative, but I thought van der Merwe, as good as he is, um, he had a very, very good moment against England. and like That try was incredible. Um. Outside of that, though, I thought he wasn't he wasn't necessarily up to his usual standards. Um, every game after that, I just seemed to see a highlight reel of people being able to stop him, which is a tough thing to do because he's a very big man. Like, he's very strong. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't think he had his best tournament, as good as he is. Um, 
beat 33 defenders though I think he did no yeah which is phenomenal they might, yeah they might have all been English though to be fair or um, yeah. <laughs> 20 in both uh, two games alone I'd say <laughs> I did, and this is just like a, a talking point I saw, I think it was on um, off the ball, I'm not sure where I saw it, that someone had Mac Hansen as good as he is on the wing, and he's obviously, he's brilliant. I thought he had a really good tournament, um, that someone was saying that he, he could be reasonably um, in Ireland's consideration for number 10. That, but he's yeah. he's that good a ball player. He's that good a kicker. Like he's that good a um, an analyst of the game that he could he could genuinely do a job of ten. And I think it's it's something he has done before when he was the playing Brumbies, back yeah. with the the Brumbies in in Australia. It's like the um, Finn thing though, isn't it? Because it's kind of like oh, I'd love to see Mac at ten. And then when you do see Mac at ten, you'd be absolutely worried. That run I, that I, he went on in yeah. the first half was like, yeah. don't do that, don't. And then makes thirty yards. And I, I think I'd like to see him do it at least once at provincial level before I gave him it a, a, a test level. But um, yeah, it's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. Like, and it, he's and actually not wingers. got the pace to be an uh, international international winger, so he might as well. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's better than Balakum. But anyways, no Whoa! disrespect to <laughs> At is. least let the man get back from injury first. Them, fight, them fighting words. <laughs> he's he's no Rob... He's no Rob Little, though. So. Yeah, he's not my fault that Dan McFarland uses Robert Balakun wrong. But if you want me to talk about hey, Ulster hey, rugby, hey, hey, hey. let's not on. get into systems and all that nonsense. All right, yeah. you know, if Ulster want to play the way they want to play, they're still the second best province in Ireland. So that's <laughs> they are in their hoop. Anyways, yes, can you settle this debate for sister? Anyone else? I'm going to mute Jack. I think. <laughs> um, I I just want to agree with Jack. I actually, prefer Balakun. I thought, um, yeah, <laughs> mute Weston as well. I remember, I remember last season when the Ospreys when the Ospreys welcomed us in the um in in the URC. I remember Balakun and McCloskey were both playing, and I thought well those two had very good first halves before they were a bit quiet in the second half as the pack um lost a bit of momentum. That was the pack that day. Um, yeah, with, yeah. Stephen Myler kicking penalties from everywhere, which was a really good result. That was, um, especially after beating <laughs> a couple of weeks before, which was even better. Um. Oh, but um, in terms of team performance, <laughs> um, I've got a go one for fullback. I was going to say Capwater, and then I realised he hasn't played for ages. So, and even though the first two games he was superb, I thought, nah, it's too late. But the only the only one I've got against Keenan would probably be Thomas Ramos. Yeah, I don't fair. think I've, I don't think I've seen him play that consistently well before. There's he never he never has. He's like a, no. he's like another Hugh and Hugh. He There's would been, do something brilliant, and then he just. Do something silly. Oh, he's, no been, be, he's been no incredible one, this tournament. Like yeah, no one would be as mad as Johan Uge, but uh, I love. <laughs> I can say I love Johan Uge. I miss yeah, him at this level so much. He was so I much thought. Fun. Um, I thought Ramos added that consistency to his game, and I thought he he, he picked really well. You know, we saw against England that he was just hitting any conversion from anywhere, and even against Wales as well. Some of the touchdown conversions he had was just superb. Um, obviously you can have Van der Merwe in there, um, but um, uh, yeah, I'd I'd have Penno on the right and probably have Van der Merwe on the left with Ramos a full back just to be different, because um, because that's where I like to be. And my fantasy team has Gabisi at ten, so you know who, who's the real winner. Oh, here? good man! <laughs> I, I'm just going to throw out there that no one has said Freddie Stewart, so I think none no, of us are not, getting a punditry gig not, on, yeah, B, on BT anytime soon. I, 
No, he's not. Yeah. He's not like he's, he's not a standout fullback though. He's just you know he's just he's a solid. very solid player. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the massive hype about it. He's a big lad. He's like six five. What is he? So like he's gonna yeah, make he's yards huge. in contact. He's not. You know, he's got a great. massive elbow as well. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> if Freddie Stewart suffers from anything, it's the amount of praise that he gets heaped on him. Yeah, because he's he he's not a bad player. He's a decent player, but like just the way he gets talked about in the he's not Ralph Hardy, like would make you think that he was like the next coming like he's he's a good player but he's not yeah. certainly in the last in the last championship anyway he's been good but he's not been like, he's not been blowing the roof off of anywhere um we'll go around the room finally player of the tournament and moment of the tournament we'll go player of the tournament but we'll get that out of the way first um yes and do you want to go first on player of the tournament but, um i haven't really thought about this one please pick an irish lad you haven't picked an irish lad in five minutes <laughs> Um, no, big RPC. No, I th- I thought I, as much as I do love Garvisi, I thought he wasn't um he wasn't up to his usual standards this year. I don't I don't know. It just felt like there's a couple of errors creeping in. Um, I'm sure he'll polish that out because that's who he is. Um, but um, oh, I I don't know what don't know who to pick. He obviously got to pawn. Um, I want I'd want to say Sexton, but. I think one of the Irish pack probably deserves it more. So I think just for his cameo at hook, I'd probably give it to Van der Fleer. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think that man is, is very good. Um, Dupont's a close second, mind. There's not much in it, but um, Van der Fleer first with Dupont second. Yeah. Jack, do you want to go? You're probably going to say Rob Herring. Sure. Yeah, Rob Herring is my <laughs> no. Yeah, it's Tom Stewart. Uh, second. Oh, obviously Stuart McCluskey, no. Uh yeah, no K- uh Kaylin Doris, I think. Um I think he's just I would I would love to see his stats just for the whole tournament as a whole, because I'd love to know how many errors he made in the whole tournament, because I would nigh on guarantee that it's less than five or something. Like and if it, if it's five, three of them were yesterday. It was kind of like that. Like it was yesterday was his off day and he was still and he was quietly still... effective. Still getting over the gain line marginally, like not massively, but just yeah, he I think he's just he's just class. But if you if you had it over the last two over the last two rounds, it'd be Peter O'Mahony because he's just been just absolutely unreal. Have to have to go with the monster boys on that yes. because he was he was excellent. He just does everything right, doesn't he? So but I, yeah, Doris would be mine. Yeah. David, will we will we have four different people? Because I already said who mine is, but I'll touch it in a minute. But who do you want to go for? It's a bit of a cliche, but I've got to go with Johnny. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was a difference maker. He always is. Um, you know, the Italian game was one of our toughest, and it was the one he didn't play in. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it might seem trite to say, but it's got to be a talking point that the man's 37. He's almost 38, and he's still, by a distance, the best out of half in Ireland. And, and, and one of the best in the world. And to still be doing what he's doing at that age, with that level of consistency, he's he's unbelievable. Like he's a he's a phenomenon. You know, Tom Brady throws balls around for a living and 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 gets a lot of plaudits. Johnny Sexton blows someone like that out of the water every day of the week. He's I think he's brilliant. Yeah, he is. I I I made this point as kind of a joke, but it actually ended up getting like it's like two thousand likes on Twitter. But I said that the biggest compliment I can give Johnny is I grew up as a Ron Regara fan, and now I think Johnny is. He's better than Wilkinson. On like yeah. that's my honest opinion, and like that that was supposed to be a joke, and people were like, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's great. He's Johnny last <laughs> last Six Nations game at home and all that, and I think he was brilliant. 
but I'm going to go for James Ryan. As I said, I think James Ryan, since the first test in New Zealand, where he was kind of blown out of the water by Sam Whitelock, ever since then, he's been a different player. He's been the player we want him to be. And sure. Rob Kearney came on yesterday and he said Paul O'Connell's impact is huge. And I think it is. And I think some of it is James Ryan's just found his feet at international level again because it's tough. It's tough when you're asking a lad like him who's not a massive second row, but he's also not a, a elusive second row like a Baird or a Byrne when you're asking him to do the grunt work. That's why himself and Henderson worked well together because Henderson would do that and he'd focus on everything else and they, they kind of overlapped then a bit. Mm. But I think this was his best tournament. I think, listen, props don't get enough love. Um, second rows don't either. So yeah. I'm going to go with, with James Ryan as my player of the tournament and I I just go he, with favorite he's moment. That, he's, he's that player he was he's that player who's threatening to be in his first season, you know. Yeah. When he was playing for Ireland before he's playing for Leinster, you know. Sure. That he's that player. Get from Munster before he got for Leinster. <laughs> <laughs> just go throw it out there. Yeah. But also I, I wasn't I wasn't taking a shot at Tom Brady. I was just mentioning him because Sexton was mentioned him. I don't have anything against the dude, but yeah, in general. I'll you could, but we don't. <laughs> for I'll start off the favorite moment. I think you could have a few, you know, like if Italy had won, we'd all be we'd probably all said that kind of like last year. Um, similarly with Wales when they finally got a win, you know, great to see the Minnows winning. <laughs> Sorry, Esden. Um, but for me, I think the moment that that summed up everything was not not full time in the Viva was the two minutes from 78 to the 80th minute. That place was raucous. And I couldn't, and I said this, I, it's been so, we've been on a while now, I'm rambling on. Um, I can't remember if I said it on this or on, before we came on, but I was in the pub watching it and we were all singing the Fields of Athenry. And then I watched it back this evening, watched the second half back. It was so loud. It was unbelievable. And I think that is, I don't think it's like a turning point or like, oh, wow, like Irish fans doing it. It's nothing like that. It's just a case of that was the moment where you knew, but that was also the moment where you felt incredibly proud of this team because not a lot of people watched them beat New Zealand because it was on Sky Sports. Whereas when the viewing figures come out this week, you're looking at over a million people here in Ireland and a lot more across the world. And I think that was... Like 2018 and like 2009, that was a moment where you just felt very proud and we just sang and we enjoyed it. And it was like the tries are special, the full-time whistle, lifting the trophy, Johnny coming off, they're all special moments, but that was just goosebumps moment. Um, David, if you want to steal that one, because you were there and you actually can steal that one, you can. But what would you go I, for? I was, I was going to be a bit of an arsehole about it. I... I... <laughs> Just because it encapsulates the player so well, I really loved James Lowe's try against France because it so obviously shouldn't have been a try. <laughs> and it so obviously shouldn't have been a try that he knew it wasn't a try. And I, oh, I, that I, face I, he made where he just I really want to ask him someday if if they had a conversation. Because if I was if I was Andy Farrell, if I was Leo Cullen, I'd be like, Look, you're a great player, but we've got to work on your poker face because you're a little bit too honest. Um you get the try, you get the try, and you go for it. I just love that James Lowe turned around and he gave the camera kind of a look, you know, where you're like, oh, I was like, quite, it's like, it's forgiven, you know, cut it out. I uh, just, for for the athleticism in it, even, you know, like take the efficacy of whether or not it was extra or not, 
the athleticism in that move, both from him and from the player tackling him, um, was incredible. But uh, just because it is a sport that is so tightly wound and like we always talk about players being so media trained and how that's you know it can be funny but it's not it's not always that good crack James Lowe is just a player who plays the game because he loves to play the game and he's irrepressibly honest about it so I I love that moment because that was a guy who was like this 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 matters like in a big way this matters if we score this try we're probably gonna win the game if we don't who knows and he still couldn't stop himself from going, that wasn't a try. <laughs> so I that's my moment of the tournament. Yes, and do you want to go next? What is your your outstanding moment of the 2023 Guinness Six Nations? The final Guinness Six Nations as well, if you didn't realise. Sponsorship I, ends. I don't think I got one if we finish with fifth. Um, <laughs> probably a, a niche one would be um, round three. There's an intercepted try in every game because I'm a big fan of interception tries. Um, so, um, uh, and there's quite a few actually thinking about it. You obviously got James Lowe in Cardiff, and then round three, there was Bruno's getting one, Zamet got one, and then Ramos got one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others, but um, but I just, I just like the start, there was one interception trying each of the round three games, yeah. so I always, always, uh, always like one of them, but um, it's probably the highlight of the championship was seeing. Um, Reese Webb box kicking so well against Italy, and um, especially, especially the 50 22, um, which came after a really good box kick, which is from, from a restart. And um, and the ball just bounces back, and all of a sudden, Wales are in the 22 because of Reese Webb's boot. And I, 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 at the start of the tournament, I wasn't expecting that, um, because I've seen Webb for quite a long time, and his kicking's not. Quite been the strongest point, so that fifty twenty two was um was probably the only highlight for me. Um, uh, but, it's niche, uh, but I like it. But, but yeah, what's the name? I was thinking, why is why is he not been Wales scrum out for years? He was brilliant. I know he's not always been great, but he's he was he had a great tournament. But mainly because he's been in been in Toulon, and um, and then obviously that ruled him out of the twenty nineteen World Cup, and then Wayne Pivak for some reason didn't really that, the, the the cap rule that they have it's like 50 caps yeah, or something like it, it was 60, 60 caps. so so obviously then he returned to the ospreys in 2020 just just as covid was kicking off so um and then when people just thought he didn't really rate them so he just wasn't um wasn't left but wasn't playing any squads and um well obviously his first game back and you 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 know you get a win when you when you're zero from three you get a win, and you're probably relieved about it, especially with the 53 minutes he played and he got man of the match. So um probably that individual performance in the whole was was probably a highlight. But but that 522 was something special. Closely followed by Dupont running a trick and him a couple of hours later, which was um that was good. The dummy and then they go. Yeah, that was good. Um, finally, Jack, have you a, a standout moment? And if it is Jordan Kluski's turnover on the five meter line against France, so be it. I'll take it. Whatever you want to show in. That's if that's um if that's your favorite moment, then that's 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 okay with me. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, it's either it's either um Johnny Sexton breaking the um breaking the record yesterday for the points, or um or Conan's offload for the for the Sheen for the Sheen score, just because. That 
that was well, that was what sixty minutes. That was the that was the kind of the score that we we, we Robbie Robbie scored about before sixty eight minutes or so, I think. Okay, so I yeah. think I think I think maybe um, England got but that. Put us two scores, game. three scores ahead. So yeah, yeah, so I think that just to sort of to sort of give the give the fans a bit. I went mental in the living room um, when he threw that offload because I was just like, that's ridiculous, Conan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just on the on the final weekend to throw in something like that after he had a few question marks himself, I think Conan of you know whether he can whether he can play in the system or whether he can play with Doris, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah. I think um, I think it has to be Johnny breaking the breaking the record because um, it's because of what he's done and how he sort of I guess he he got into international rugby a bit later than most so he even more mm-hmm. impressive that he's that he's done it you know he's yeah. nearly forty but you know he, he's still there. Bundiaki so. said he was forty five yesterday. I don't yeah, I don't think yeah, that's factually correct, but listen, if the players want to joke about it, why can't we? I saw James Lowe earnestly say nice things about him and then almost have to catch himself and say. <laughs> I oh, don't don't tell him I said that though. If you can get James Lowe to be earnest about praise, uh, you're you're pretty special. That's true, lads. It has been a pleasure, and like the Six Nations Championship, this one has been a marathon and not a sprint. So we'll leave it there. My thanks again to David, to Eston, and to Jack, and I'll be sure to have you on at a later date, possibly Six Nations time, possibly Hiding Cup time. Um, college has a stranglehold on my free time at the moment so it's all <laughs> down to that really as always uh, you can find me on Twitter Instagram TikTok YouTube Spotify uh, one of these you're probably watching or listening on at Kalon S Rugby and on my website you'll find links to those below and I'll be Jack in due course with the next edition of the My Life in Rugby interview series and there'll be some fan based coverage thrown in between Finally, I hope you all enjoyed this podcast and I hope we summed up the mood. The rugby following in Ireland on what was a special weekend. Ireland are Grand Slam champions. Johnny Sexton got his perfect send-off. Ireland are on top of the world. And as far as we can, we're concerned, we absolutely love it. Take, take care and go easy, folks. Nice one.